It's for serious now. Hi. Hi, and welcome to Murder, She Read, the podcast where we read books, give each other dirty looks, and drink copious amounts of wine. I am sitting across from Victoria Campbell. And I am across from the ever-lovely Amanda Fall. And we have a new microphone. So hopefully you won't hear the sounds of a ship taking off in the background, which is what happened last week. You know, I kind of enjoyed it. Oh, did you? I no. think you were the only one my ears bled. I'm full lying. Victoria, what did we read this week? How convenient, Amanda. Speaking of blood, we read a book called Possessed by Catherine Casey. And what was that book about? It was about a murder with a very specific weapon that happened in Texas. Again, our new favorite state. We did not go far. No, you can't stray too far from Texas ever. You probably should. I don't don't know. (laughs) Now we just sound like we hate Texas. Um, We love it. I used to live there. But Amanda, last week you had an issue finding wine detective research. How'd it go for you this week? There was a lot. Excellent. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a ton of information. I'm very excited to get into it. But I really can't wait to hear... What this book really focused in on. All right, well, let's hit it then. All right, so cops are called to this rich girl apartment in Houston, Texas, and a woman opens the door and she is covered in blood, like head to toe. There's a man dead on the floor, and the reporting officer tries to ask this woman what happened, and she pretty casually explains that the two had a physical altercation, and she attacked him with her size 9 stiletto heel. Right. I will put a picture in the... uh... Instagram, Jesus, really got that one nailed. Um, There is a photo of her online at the police station, and just red denim, all blood, not great. Not just a Texas choice and a (laughs) tire. No, not quite. Um, So, in the book, we then go back and we start learning about the murder victim, Stefan, who grew up in Sweden, and he worked as a scientist there and moved to the States to do his postdoc at the University of Texas's Southwestern Medical Center. Right, but before he moves, um, his upbringing was pretty turbulent. He had an abusive father. Um, it didn't say that he was p- particularly abusive towards Stefan. It was more at his mother, so he really took on the peacekeeper role in that. Uh, and he avoided conflict, which is something that he kind of continued for the rest of his life by all accounts. Okay, cool. Um, so he studies the interactions of enzymes, hormones, and steroids, both in the womb and within a fetus, which sounds like interesting work for someone who's interested in science, who is... Science. Mm. Um, he publishes well, and he gets attention within the scientific community, and he meets a woman named Jackie at the pool of their apartment complex, and the two wed pretty shortly thereafter. Uh, Stefan gets a job in everyone's least favorite state, New Jersey, uh, where he'll be working in a commercial lab, and the couple moves to the Big Apple. Which seems weird, because he moved, well, I mean, obviously they did it probably for the money and the opportunity, but he had moved to Texas from Sweden because he craved warmth and sunshine and was really looking for a stable weather environment, which I can't say that New York would provide that. You say that all of the trash bags piled on the street covered in snow are not a stable weather environment? Well, Jackie says he's pretty sad there. Yeah, no one's happy. Well, I guess Jackie might be happy in New York. But... Yeah, um, they said that their marriage had kind of started to fall apart before the move. I can't imagine that the move helped. Um, Jackie obviously had some problems with his drinking. He would, instead of coming home at night after work, go to a bar, socialize, drink. Good. Which is fine if you're doing it every once in a while, but I imagine he probably wasn't or it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I think that would grate on you if it were seven nights a week. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they divorce, 
ultimately, and friends said that the ensuing divorce absolutely devastated. Stephanie. Yeah, he really wanted a family, and like wanted to have kids, wanted to have a like stable home, family unit, and he felt like he was aging out of that opportunity, which for a man is impossible to do, <laughs> but, you know. He's got years ahead of him. Um, so he goes back uh, to Houston at the same medical center where he started his career, and he starts to rebuild his life post-divorce. Um, he makes new friends who also like to drink and to go out to restaurants, and he is described by all of his friends as being super kind, and he has a habit of befriending homeless people and buying them not only booze, but food. I mean, I can't say his life was going super great. There is a report in here where one day he passed out in his uh, in his apartment and was found, obviously, taken to the hospital where he was diagnosed with an electrolyte imbalance. Uh, which was attributed to alcohol consumption and the painkillers he was on for a back injury. So, like, great social life, but, like, not doing superb health-wise. Not ideal. It was (laughs) (laughs) 50-50. Well, so when he's back in Houston and perhaps a little bit on the mend from that injury... He does join a 12-step program. He said that he wasn't into AA... Do you have information about this? No. no. Oh, left that out. So he wasn't into AA, didn't like the idea of God, which I could see being a problem with AA. You kind of have to, I think one of the steps is surrendering. Oh well, yeah, he's a scientist and probably grates against his personal beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> Mildly. Um, but he did find a program that worked for him, and with months of counseling and group sessions, and I think a little bit of rehab, he turned his shit around and stopped drinking. That didn't last for a long time, mostly because he got really sad Bars were, like, his entire social life. Like, all of his friends went out, and that was it. Like, he didn't really have any other hobbies or activities. No cross-stitching or hiking. (laughs) Um, I don't really know what else there is to do in Texas. Guns somewhere. No? Okay. Um. (laughs) I'm trying to think of what else there is to do in Texas. You can drink there. Yeah, so he does. He picks up drinking, but he says that he's got it under control. That is the claim. That is everyone's claim. Um, So... After the stint in rehab, he eventually meets a woman named Anika, who is also from Sweden, who works in his lab. And they have a long-standing friendship that evolves into a romance. Uh, But it just doesn't work for them, but they still remain besties, basically, for lack of a better word. I love when that happens. Why not? It's very rare. Um, And although his professional life is not perfect, um, he does get a grant from the NIH. Hello, Dr. Hill. What is the NIH? It's the National Institute of Health. Uh, Were we supposed to know that? Or? I mean, it's in my common parlance. So. Oh, okay. Good for um, you. To fund his research. Uh, so he's on the upswing. As Amanda said, he did this stint in rehab. He's got money for his research. And he has made a group of friends who share his hobby of drinking. And it's dining. good to have a group of friends that share your hobbies of eating and drinking. Cheers You all right there? Cheers. <laughs> Those are our only activities. Um, although he has this new set of friends, as Amanda mentioned earlier, he still longs for a family and for a serious partner. Um, but one day he stumbles across this stunning apartment building called the Park Lane with these, like, incredible views of Houston and decides, like, I must have a home there. Yeah, I do that daily. The only difference is I can't fucking afford it. (laughs) No, you're not a scientist. No. Um, he loves his house. He decorates it, like, super minimalistically. A very, like, Ikea yeah, is well, what it is. It's inside of my house, less velvet, more monotone. Well, he is Swedish. Um, but he eventually meets this woman named Anna Trujillo, 
um, whom he starts to have a romantic liaison with. She sounds like a prize already. Well, he tells his friends back in Houston, Amanda, that he's got a real tiger by the tail. Wait, isn't he in Houston? Did I say Houston? <laughs> <laughs> back in Sweden is my answer, sorry. Sure, sure. Um, which I think is gross. That's a weird phrase. And, um, oh, the other thing I'd like to mention, um, he had this, like, park he really liked to go to. and Sleep in. <laughs> he made very good friends with a squirrel. Whom he used to, like, sit around. Is it my mother? Does your mother do that? I imagine she would. She has deer in her backyard that she's trying to lure closer to her. Don't listen to Amanda. I once watched her feed a raccoon a hot dog. That raccoon wanted that hot dog. (laughs) But so he is this little squirrel whom he likes to feed peanuts to. And he does that, like, every day. I think that's cute. It is cute. It's a nice anecdote about him. Um, So from here, the book navigates toward talking about Anna... Um, about her two divorces. Oh, you don't um, got anything about the beginning? No, what do you got? Oh, okay. So Anna was born in Mexico. She moved to Arizona at four months. At eight, her father left, and she felt super abandoned. She was very close. He left to start a whole new family. Did he get the whole new one? The whole. I think he did. He was like, fuck this shit. These kids suck. I'm going to try again. Um, so she was the eldest sibling. She took on a caretaker role for her siblings, Uh, The family was first raised Catholic. They converted to Jehovah's Witness. But Anna, by all accounts, was fascinated with, quote-unquote, other spiritualities. Basically, she really wanted to do, like, voodoo Wiccan shit. She was super into (laughs) it, very enthralled. Like, from girlhood? I think from a young age. Uh, She wanted so badly Mm -hmm. to have a Ouija board, and her mother would not allow Mm -hmm. it. I did read that. So she got one in secret. Um, at 22, she married and was pregnant within the first four months. She had a great job with Coca-Cola, but the marriage wasn't working out. She tried to leave him, and this is where we get her first claim of kidnapping and rape. Right. So she claims that he broke into the house, held her hostage for six hours, tried to rape her, and somehow she got out. Charges were filed, but she dropped them eventually. She took the kids. She leaves. Do we have anything else? No, and then I have her marriage to Jim Fox. Yeah, she married again in 2001, and then in 2004 they moved to Houston. Yeah, and Anna uh, went to massage school. Yeah, she quits her job. She says, fuck the corporate world. (laughs) Coca-Cola's too stressful. I'm a free girl. Take my bra off. Um, But she had been working for a decade at Coca-Cola. Like, she... Yeah, and she worked her way up through the ranks, like, pretty quickly. Yeah, and her husband... um, Jim Fox was even surprised that she was so willing to quit her job that she had such excellent secu- security at and had a good paycheck and had benefits. She really just wanted to touch people. <laughs> All over. <laughs> um, so the family moves to Houston. We've got Jim, we've got Anna, and we have our two daughters. I have no idea. It sounds uh, right. And they move into a new home that she's super jazzed about, um, but things are not well in the Fox household. Uh, Anna stays out late often till like, 3 or 4 in the morning. And there's this, like, weird side interview with her neighbors who describe her behavior as erratic and her dressing too sexy. She's, like, wearing a tank top. And they're like, my God! There's a uh, an anecdote from her male neighbor who was like, I'm not into her, but one night I saw her dressed as a witch. And I said, that's seductive. 
It was just like very. <laughs> he just really wanted to fuck a witch. That's basically what he came out and said. Good for you, sir. Embrace your kinks. And then he goes on to claim there was like a flock of crows that were constantly perched on the roof of the fox household, which seems like a little retrospective. I mean, maybe she was getting super into that voodoo, had tapped in. Or she was putting hot dogs on the roof like someone else in this room. You know, I, I'm not tall enough to get to a roof, and you know that, but I would. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it sounds like, so as soon as she like opens up this massage parlor, that she kind of embraces this like looser lifestyle, wants to have less responsibility. I mean, she's been a mother since she was 22. She kind of missed all of it, been married so many times at this point just was like over it right which you're allowed to be yeah and you said i mean as as was noted in the book as well that from an early age she'd also been basically a parent to her siblings as well yeah like i'd be fucking done i'd be ready to party yeah and she is i'd be wearing all the tank tops (laughs) and your neighbors would be so scarred (laughs) clearly um so ultimately the foxes get divorced which um, is her dream, right? Because now the kids go to live with their dads. Yeah, she sends those fuckers off and she moves to downtown. So now she has Houston. no kids, no executive job, no husband, and she gets to be the girl she's wanted to be. Yeah, what I wrote was the unencumbered life of a single woman, which seems like I was getting too fucking wordy at two in the morning. Or sounds something. like someone's jealous. Busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she does. She drinks a lot. She goes out a lot. She dates a lot. She gets some DUIs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, her close friend would claim that Anna was making up to $1,000 a day at her massage studio. Oh, that feels like a lie. <laughs> I think so, too. Um, but in 2009, something happened that people marked as a really big turning point for Anna. Um, she was at a male friend's apartment after dinner, and they both claimed that they had no romantic connection. Um, But that's basically where the similarities of their stories end. So the man claims that Anna was going through his things, which also feels like a lie. Um, And when he asked her to leave, she clubbed him over the head with a candlestick. She claims that he tried to rape her. Correct. And the story that I saw was that it was her ex-boyfriend, but that could be an easy fabrication. This was about a trial, so it doesn't matter. Um, I don't... I saw nothing in the book that it was her ex-boyfriend, but I, I do know... That everyone wanted to rape her? That something was awry. That's life according to Anna. <laughs> um, so she says she uh, she hits him in the back of the candlestick like she's in the game of Clue. And then he <laughs> knocks her down. Um, and then she said that she was like bleeding from the ear. But from that point forward, her friends said that she was prone to dizzy spells. And she had persistent head pain. And she started acting differently. I mean, it seems like she's been crazy from the beginning, but... Sure. We'll, we'll count it at 2009. We can take a cash, cash, head injury. Um, but as Amanda mentioned... Cash, cash, head injury? <laughs> Let's not let that one slide, guys. That was good. <laughs> Anna was also really into the occult. Um, and she had a voodoo doll she kept in her bra at all times. That's right. Keep which, mine. Hello. Me too, my friend. Um, she had the Ouija board, Amanda mentioned, and she loved to read tarot. She's very, like, surface-level occultist here. I don't think she's doing much true research. Yeah, it's like a 13-year-old girl who's like, I'm a witch now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But she's known as a hard partier around town, and she was starting to wear out her welcome in certain circles. My favorite is that she really took my life plan and, like, dove in. So she found a series of rich old men, sorry, Zachary, who paid her rent, 
floated her failing massage business and funded her party time. And, like, she would just go from one to the next to the next. Does she move in with them? Not any of them until Stefan. That is not what I read. Oh, well, I mean, I kind of did some, some skimming of things. Who knows? Uh, well, as Amanda said, I mean, yeah, so she enters into these romantic relationships with men who can benefit her. And she has uh, a tendency to move in with these men and um, sort of float, as Amanda said, from gent to gent. All right, so can I tell you about the first time Anna met Stefan? Yeah, I would love to. It's I know we're in 2012. We are in 2012. Fuck yeah. That was a weird year, guys. I don't remember 2012. You might have been in Texas in 2012. I was in Charlottesville. I was in Texas. Look at that. Hello. Mm. <laughs> Wine pause. But I did not hang out at the Park Lane Apartments um, and hit on... No, they would have kicked your ass man. out. Yeah. They'd be like, ma'am, <laughs> you're wearing something you found at the thrift store. Please go. Um... But so Anna is in the lobby of the Park Lane apartment, hanging out, and she sees Stefan. And she's like, yes, bitch. Um, so she asks around about him. Wait, and... she was in the lobby? Yeah, I think she was actually visiting another male friend. Oh, I just imagined her, like, in the parking lot with binoculars. Just like, <laughs> I gotta scope out my next target. Whose hair is graying here? This one looks right. This one will do. Um, but she was in the lobby, and she asks around about him to, like, the concierge and some other tenants, and people tell Stefan that she has been asking, and he's like, well, shit, I'll ask this hot lady out to dinner. She shows up day after day, just pestering. <laughs> um, but on their first night out, they hit it off, and he thinks she's super sexy, and she's always wearing high heels, which he is really, really into. That's a really basic thing to be into. Do better, Stefan. Have a stranger kink. <laughs> um, but he buys her all these things, and she ends up moving into in with him. Into him as well. <laughs> just right inside him. So in her, we're going to obviously, spoiler, there's a murder. But in what? her... <laughs> in her interrogation video, she tells detectives that Stefan drank heavily and was mentally abusive. And she said he was like so many of her male friends who wanted to get romantic and marry her, but she just wasn't into it. Oh. She says they were not romantic. Um, she did say that they lived together. Obviously, that'd be hard to deny. She eventually grew to care for him, but resisted having sex with him because it was like sleeping with her grandfather, which is a really bold statement. If you do some basic math, he's 15 years older than her. Also, there are a million pictures on Stefan's cell phone of her in, like, compromising poses. Right. No, I mean, they were 100% dating. She just doesn't live in reality. That's fair. Uh, there's another report, or at some other point in the interrogation, that she calls him her fiancé, so she can't even keep her shit straight. No, she can't. She gets very wild about their relationship, and I'll add on that Anna tells her friends that she's not into him sexually, but is trying to make it work. Because he's got money. Yeah. That's enough, right? Yeah, and her friends seem to be like, well, hopefully this will work. That's a good friend. Really supportive. <laughs> but Stefan, on the other hand, tells his friends that Anna is a fucking monster and has a wild temper when she drinks. Right, and all of his friends are like, dude, get the fuck out of there. But he can't because, as you said earlier, he's totally non-confrontational. He can't. I imagine every time he tries to get it, because now she's living there. You've got to physically remove someone from your home. Yeah, and which he's if not you're not non, if you're non-confrontational, and she has hit a man with a candlestick before, it's a tough go. Yeah, one of my 
I don't want to say favorite, but I will. Anecdotes about her behavior with him is that she crashes his Mercedes, and then when he confronts her, she blames him for it. Yeah, she says, like, you were blackout drunk, you drove it, you don't remember? And he's like, no. (laughs) That was you, (laughs) ma'am. I don't think that's how that happened. That sounds like some fucking scheme we would come up with but not be able to execute. In my notes I wrote, hi, Amanda. Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) We could do it. Um, but she flirts with other men, and she screams at him very publicly in restaurants. Um, and their relationship falls apart, and despite how non-confrontational he is, he bans her from his apartment, like, signs forms that she's not allowed in the building. That's a good goal. Like, I want to be, like, formally banned from somewhere. Well, you know what you do is you steal someone's Mercedes. Okay. You bang that shit up. Okay. And then you say, you did this. Okay. Let me Easy. in my home. Who has a Mercedes? <laughs> My dad. (laughs) (laughs) Darby, I'm coming for ya. Um, But so, after he bans her from the apartment, she fucking goes full banana and starts going to all of his favorite local haunts when she knows that he'll be there. Oh, she's full on stalking him. That's fun. You could do it to my dad. You know, I I did start watching you last night, so... Getting some real good tips. Just some hot takes from Dan Humphrey. (laughs) Um, But she runs up tabs on wine and food at Stefan's favorite establishments, and then she saddles him with the bill, which he pays. I mean, he can't not pay it. I guess, but he's not drinking or eating. I mean, he is, but she's doing a whole separate thing at, like, another table and staring at him like a dead-eyed shark the whole time. I could see you doing that. Am I doing it right now? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, But at one time, she even walks into a restaurant. He's literally having lunch with a friend, and she bites him on the cheek. No word spoken. Just comes up to him. Like a light nibble or like a draw blood? No, she drew blood. And it's the afternoon. This is lunchtime? It's like 2 p.m. Jesus Christ. To the point that, like, the restaurant staff has to pour vodka on it to disinfect it. If you are physically drawing blood with your mouth before... Uh, the sun goes down. You've got bigger problems. <laughs> oh, that's the barometer. <laughs> I think so. Um, so after uh, this incident, he very sort of sheepishly starts telling friends that this is not the first time that she has been violent with him. But now that everybody in Houston has seen him be bit on the face in a public venue, the cat is out of the proverbial bag. Then what? Uh, okay, so then she is out of Stefan's apartment because he's put that like "do not come in here" order. Um, and she moves in with a friend of hers named James Wells. Um, and Stefan is like, well, shit, I can finally get my life back in order. In order? Uh, but Anna cannot let it go. She keeps showing up, and he seems incapable of telling her no. And that friend whom she was staying with, James Wells, Anna gets into a physical altercation with both him and his other roommate. Why can she not stop fighting people? She's, she's incapable of not... She's a little rage monster. And she gets kicked out of this house that she's staying at, obviously, and is calling everyone she knows, trying to find someone to take her in, and guess who says yes? Is it fucking Stefan? Of course it is. God damn it, Stefan. So she shows up back at the apartment with her shit in tow, including her Ouija board, her tarot cards. It's all her belongings. Yeah, it's everything They're all dark magic belongings. Um, It's like all of her weird shit. She's like, is an artist, and I have quotes right now because she basically like tapes her bangle bracelets to a piece of paper and then like writes very incoherent things around them uh but this day is not supposed to be forever stefan has put a very clear end date on it um and anna is supposed to move 
to Waco to be with her parents and her younger daughter, whom she dumped on them. Right. Yeah. So she's supposed to leave, she's supposed to leave, and the day of the departure, her uh, ride that she had arranged to Houston, excuse me, to Waco, falls through. (laughs) Um, So Stefan decides that they should go out that night, or perhaps she does, it's not entirely clear, but they go to Anna's favorite club, and she gets, like, buck wildly drunk. Don't do that. No. Like, don't have a goodbye party for someone who you should have kicked out of your life forever ago. Yeah, I think that's fair. And everybody has warned him about her. Like, the manager of the apartment complex of the Part Lane, named Lil Brown. That's cute. It is cute. She tells him, she's like, get away from her. Like, do not let her back into your life. And all of his friends have said the same thing. He's just got a big heart and is super caring and just wants to be loved. Yeah, and what's the best for people, I think, too. Um, But this night when they're out, she's dancing on tables. She's combative when he asks her to leave. So he calls a cab for the two of them to go home. She does not want to go in the cab. She does not want to go home. So he asks the cab to wait. He goes in back to the club once. He comes back out. He tells the cab, start your meter now, I'll pay you, I still have to get my friend out of here. And after three tries, he finally gets her out. Um, however, she is like a huge bitch to the driver. She's cursing at the woman who is driving the cab, and the woman's husband is actually riding along with her because he didn't want his wife driving alone on the streets of Houston. That's fair. Yeah, late at night. Um, so they take the drive back to the Park Lane apartment, and... Anna is being so verbally abusive that the cab driver almost calls the cops and literally takes Stefan out of the cab. Anna is inside of the apartment lobby at this point and is, like, banging on the glass for him to come in. But the cab driver is like, you have to get that woman out of your life. And who knows if this is a fabrication after the fact, but she asks Stefan if they can pray together for his safety. How? Oh, I guess she could tell this account. I was going to say, who the fuck is giving this account? Yeah, it's the cab driver. Um, But so they literally pray together, and then Stefan seems kind of defeated, and he goes inside. He would not agree to... I'm calling bullshit on that. You're right, We've already agreed that he's not doing AA because... He doesn't like the God aspect. He's not going to pray for help with this psycho girl. Well, I wonder if maybe, because he is so non-confrontational, if someone's like, can I pray for you? He's not going to be like, no. Oh, I guess that's true. He is a nice guy. Yeah, he's not praying. He is not us. No. (laughs) Who'd be like, fuck you, no. Goodbye. Um, So the next thing that I have from this book is that Anna calls the police from Stefan's apartment. And they come and find Anna covered in blood and Stefan dead on the floor. And the cop actually assumed that Stefan had been shot due to the sheer amount of blood. But he wasn't. He was not. Amanda, what had happened to him? Uh, Anna is claiming that, in self-defense, she had to attack him with her stiletto. That stiletto, uh, you'll later find out, Well, you won't. You won't read this book because we're telling you all about it. So why bother? Um, But it is the interior of it, the like heel and sole are metal, which is super weird, right? Are are all stilettos made of metal? I don't think so. I have a heel behind you. Do you want to break it in half? See what's in there. Let's not. Mm -hmm. Let's let's leave it. Um, Right. It was made of metal, which I don't know that all are. So it leaves me to wonder, like, was this an intentional shoe choice of the evening? 
But it doesn't seem like this was very premeditated. So probably just, she just owns some fucking bonker shoes. Well, yeah, they're like five and a half inches tall. I could never walk in those. I used to constantly walk in like six inch heels oh God, in my did. early 20s. Yeah. But even at 31, I'm like, fuck no. Like, I'll put it on, and then it's if we're going to a bar to, like, sit down. Like, I'm not wearing those out. But she's in her 40s. I guess some people still, they're just, they live harder lives than we do. I'm going to have scoliosis by that time, and particularly if I were wearing high heels. Perfect. Um, So, the police are obviously at the the apartment, and they take Anna down to the station to talk to her. Um, and she talks a lot about herself in this interview. She talks for four hours <laughs> about and, herself. like, barely mentions the night of the crime. Right. She's like, what was me? Here is my child. She's like, yeah, she's basically like, okay, let's write my fucking memoir. Let's start at day one. <laughs> I was born. Officer, are you recording this? <laughs> Turns out they were. You can watch it. They showed it to the uh, jury. Well, they had to. She was being, like, very weird. Um, and so she tells, finally, she, like, swings back to the story once or twice, and she tells the cops that Stefan was physical with her and had attempted to block her from leaving his apartment. Um, so she defended herself using the only thing she had, which was her stiletto. I mean, that part seems fair, but, like, also she hit him more than 25 times in the head and neck. That doesn't feel like self-defense. That feels like rage, right? Yeah, there's also a lot of evidence that while she was doing that, um, I mean, I guess perhaps this is the only way you could do that, is that she was, like, straddling his chest. So, like, her weight was also just, like, constricting his breath because she was on his chest. And I read that he didn't have any self-defense wounds. No, he had no defensive wounds. um, And uh, Anna also had, like a clump of his hair in her hand when the cop showed up. Did she have any marks on her? No. So the other interesting thing is when they take her down to the station, she has nothing on her. Um, and she had previously gone to the cops about that fight that had happened that I told you about. The candlestick fight? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> that was years ago. But the one she had with the man she was staying with, with James Wells. Oh, okay. Because um, she had bit him as well, and he flipped the fuck out and, and hit her. Um, and so he was like, I, I don't hit women. I'm leaving the situation. So after he left the situation, the female roommate got into it with Anna and they like beat the shit out of each other until James came back. And Seems unnecessary. Um, but Why so is she, everyone fighting? So she had had like healing bruises from that incident, which okay. had happened not too far before. Right. We haven't moved far from that. Um, but she didn't have any fresh wounds. Okay. Um, so the cops start investigating, and they talk to everyone in Anna's life. And they begin to learn that she's not as innocent as she's present. Um, But they're really concerned about handling the case carefully, as they should be, um, because she's claiming that it was a domestic violence incident. Um, And the cops are very concerned about, um, you know, painting a victim of domestic violence in a negative light and making other women not want to come forward. Right, as they should be. Like, thank God we're in 2012 for this story and not... 1970? Uh Uh-huh. So they're being very careful about it. 
Stefan's friends are mourning. They plan a memorial at a wine bar for him, which is imagine how I would like to go out and you too. 100% let this podcast be our will and testament. <laughs> Bury us in a wine bar. I'll sign it in wine. Um, and his friend Anika scatters his ashes in a number of places, which I would like to share with you because I think they're sweet. Is it in the park with the squirrel? It is in the park with yes! the squirrel. Yes! <laughs> Um, I'm gonna cry. That's she so also, sweet. In the same park, she tap she tacked excuse me a picture of him to a tree, um, and later when she walked by again, there was a homeless man who was literally hugging the photo of Stefan to his chest. That's so sweet. It is really sweet. This is by all accounts like such a good guy. I'm not buying for a second that he was abusive. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not either. And you know who else didn't? Everyone. The jury. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anna's obviously tried for murder, um, and during the court case, the defense argued self-defense, attempting to discredit Stefan as an abusive drunk. Right. But the physical evidence that Amanda and I already discussed uh, reveals that none, even like none of the blood at the scene was Anna's. It was all right. Stefan's. Also, in a fun time, Anna takes the stand. Yes. Tell us more about she that. She takes the stand in her own defense. She is up there for six hours. Six hours. Oh, God. Telling the same tale that she told in the interrogation video, which I said was four hours. The jury has already watched this. They now have to listen to a repeat of that, which I imagine with two additional hours, she's just giving more backstory. That's Um, basically ten hours of testimony from her. Right. Her attorney keeps having to snap at her to tell her to stay focused and, like, stay on point. Like, everyone's mad that she's up there. (laughs) No one wants to listen to her. Um, nothing comes, it's nothing new. It's, it's the same tale of the interrogation. They also called 20 witnesses to stand to testify about her past of just being like full fucking banana. That's a lot of people to call you full banana. It feels like maybe they're right. Um, did you also find in your research that when she was on the stand, she said she was an executive at Coca-Cola? No. Um, so just lying kind of buck about that, and then lied a lot about um, most of her professional career. It seems weird that you would lie under oath about things that there's physical evidence for. Yeah, that you can easily prove. Yeah. It's 2012, there's a light Google. There's a full Google. That's true. <laughs> uh, of these stories that were told, we found out about her biting an ex. Maybe that's one that you've already talked about. That's Mr. James Wells. She drunkenly attacked a security guard. Oh, yeah. At the club she was also working at. Mm-hmm. We get the 2009 attack with a candlestick. And then we also get a fun story. Um, her neighbors came home one day, or I guess this was one night, and found her using their bathroom. What? Yeah. She was, like, disoriented and, like, tried to play it off. She tried, I guess she tried to... She, she had a full and break into their house to do this. Wait, was this the couple whose house she was using her massage table out of? I don't think so. That she was subletting from? I don't know. Okay. Just at a bizarre incident where they came home and she was just in their bathroom. <laughs> well, I do that to you every time I come over. That's fair, but you invitation. have a key. <laughs> That's true. That's your own fault. All right, so what I have is that the jury takes... Literally 45 minutes? Two, under two hours. Okay, that's still pretty good. To deliberate before finding her guilty of... Murder. And what I found interesting, um, the last Texas murder we talked about, uh, the death penalty was not on the table because... She pled guilty. Yeah, because she had pled guilty. 
Um, here, as Texas has evolved, I guess, since 1994, which was the last case we talked about, um, the death penalty is only for special cases. So, like, if you kill a cop. Oh. Um, and I'm sure there's other caveats to it. I just didn't look enough into it. That was what was mentioned in the book. Um, so, but there's this other thing that happens in Texas. So first you get your ruling, if you're guilty or not. And then the second part only happens, obviously, if you're guilty. Um, so you move to the punishment part of the case. Is that like a full other trial? No, it's within the same confines. Like you have the same jury, but the jury then has to decide upon how much time you get. They get to pick? Yeah, which is wild. That sounds fun. How do I get to be on a jury? Well, you and I both... Uh, have licenses in different states? No, we bowed out of the jury duty. We got called at together in Florida. Remember that? No, I well, got jury duty. You went? Yeah, it was super exciting. I went, I got chosen, and then the case is going forward, and then they got a plea deal, and we got all sent home within the first 10 minutes. I was real bummed. I lied and said that I was out of the state. Yeah, you are a pretty big liar. <laughs> um, but so it moves to the jury's punishment phase of the case. Um, and so they're going to determine the length of the sentence. And this is, uh, Anna takes the stand again, and she gives her side of the story. How long is it? Another 8, 12 hours? I'm sure it's like a solid 48. I don't actually have the count. <laughs> She's just filibustering. <laughs> <laughs> She's pleading the fifth and the fifth and the fifth. Um, but no, I mean, she gives her side of the story, and she says, as we had told earlier, that Stefan tried to attack her. And that it was in self-defense. Um, but she has a time problem. And obviously she also doesn't have any, you know, wounds to substantiate an attack on Stefan's part. None of her story rings true, basically. No. And at the end of the nine-day trial, she's sentenced to life in prison. Which is something that doesn't often happen for women. No, not frequently. I didn't read what her sentence was, so that's good to know. Yeah, so she gets life in prison and... Um, the jury is very confident about it. They they make that decision pretty quickly. and I agree. I feel good about it. Yeah, I do too. I ain't mad at it. Um, I do have an idea, though. Go ahead. Um, maybe the next book we pick isn't about a full banana woman. Maybe we go a different route. <laughs> Our first episode was not about a full banana woman. It wasn't. It wasn't. The last three, yeah, yeah, including yeah. this one that we are wrapping up, is. And as much as I love it. I think we need a quick break. That's a good point. This is very distressing to keep reading. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, also, let's move away from Texas. Just give the rest of the... Where will we go next? Who knows? You'll find out next episode. How exciting. Amanda, before next episode rolls around... Yes? I know you didn't read the book, but no. from all of the research that you did... It feels like I should be asking you questions because yeah, you, you read the book. Me, Again, me. did we mention last episode? We did. No one's asked us to be in a book club. Um, also, we're lacking in some common sense, but that's fine. Victoria, is this a book that you would recommend to our readers? Uh, to readers? Listeners. Listeners, but they can turn into readers. To be perfectly honest, I would give this book like a solid three out of five stars. Okay, so it was readable. It was totally readable. It was compulsively readable. We didn't have a single food reference. No, nobody wrote Thank about God. any sort of bodily fluid being described as some sort of food you'd have at camp. So I am pleased about that. I didn't know you could tell a solid true crime story without so many goddamn descriptors. You learned a lot today. I did. Yeah, the, I had one quote and that was all. Thank God. Um, but yeah, I recommend Catherine Casey's book, Possessed. 
Um, definitely three out of five. All right. The fuck else do you ask in a book club? What was your favorite? <laughs> Who was your favorite character? <laughs> You're grounded. <laughs> this is why fair. no one's asked us to be in a book club. So. Guys, do you have ideas for questions yeah, that we should be asking? Yeah, those fuckers in. Because we would Amanda absolutely love to hear it. are not invited to anything. We do have an email address if you don't want to put a comment on the Instagram. Yeah, I had to set up the Instagram with an email address. Don't look at me like that. News to me. It's MurderSheRedPod at gmail.com. Or is it just MurderSheRed at gmail.com? News to Amanda. <laughs> We're doing good. Uh, like I said, we do have an Instagram. Check us out. It's Murder She Read Pod. We post a lot. More than we should, probably. No, it's, it's fun. It's cute. All right. Well, Victoria, do you feel good about closing this book? I feel divine about closing the book on this crime. Let's do it. All it right. was such a good read. I had such a fun time researching. Yeah. It's a good one. And thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we hope our new mic sounds better. We really hope it does. It looks really cool. We hope it uh, actually functions in the way that it looks. All right, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.